The Start On Demand. On demand. Genocide. That's the term the Prime Minister would not use at first when referring to the report on missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls. And he got criticized for not saying it. Then he did an about-face and said it. Will all that focus on the word genocide take away from what the report is trying to accomplish? Today marks one year since a Winnipeg man went missing. We'll talk to his son to find out how the family is doing. A Manitoba woman had the opportunity of a lifetime by getting to sing on stage with Carrie Underwood. And Loren McNabb has never had a Big Mac? What? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. This is the Tuesday, June 4th podcast for The Start. And uh, it got me thinking, I I don't remember the last time I went to the Red River X. Hmm. And I kind of wonder if I need to I think you do. change that this year. Well, it's been a long time for me. I bet you it's been 25 years. Yeah, it's probably been 20 for me. The last time I was there, I did the ejector seat. Which one's that? That's the, I don't <laughs> know. Like if they, slingshot, right? Yeah, basically, they, it's a slingshot that just could, they pull the, you sit in this thing and they pull the bands down and then they just launch you into the air. I don't know if it's a thing they still do anymore. I think they replaced it with something else, actually. But, uh, wow, that was a thrill. Did you do that on the air? No, I guess not if it no, was 20 years ago. I wasn't here yet, no. Okay. I did get it on videotape, though. There's a, I have it on a VHS cassette. <laughs> it's in the archives, uh, is that right? I still have it somewhere, yeah. It's just me cursing and screaming and t- in, in fear and terror. So. I, I love that thrill stuff. Like, I do like that. I wouldn't have, I don't know if I would do that ejector seat, but they used to call it kind of like the drop of doom where you go up really high and then it drops like a free fall. Yep. I do love that. Like, I'm scared the entire time. Do you Because have- I want it to be over quickly. Like, I like the whole anticipation. And then you drop and you're freaked out for like nine seconds. And then you're like, all right. Still get some cotton candy. Are, are there certain types of rides that you don't like? Certain no. types of music, yeah. like I, I don't, don't spinning. Sorry, yes, I, I hate anything that just goes like a merry-go-round. Okay, so spinning. Do you have one that you don't like, Brett? Uh, oh boy, I, I I prefer faster rides, like like roller coasters, faster, like all in one direction. No, no, I don't mind. The I mean, a little bit of shifting. Yeah. I, I guess what I'm getting at, I don't like the pendulum where like you go the ship. up. Yes. Mm. And then you kind of hang and then you go down. I, yeah. I have a hard time with those ones. There's that ship that's usually at every festival or yeah. fair. And I went on with my kids last year. And the whole time, all I'm thinking is like, I actually was had my arms around them and I was grabbing some kid behind me because I was like, everyone's falling out of the ship. <laughs> right. This doesn't make any sense. This is the time. This is everybody's... when how it goes down. It's yeah. up to me to save these children. There's <laughs> kids like, why are you holding on to me? I don't know you. And I'm like, I'm saving your life. But you I, hate those. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I will not go on that again. Agreed. And the zipper with all the yep. omnidirectional no. movements that I will throw happen up to that you one. on the zipper. Oh, my gosh. I'll still remember the only time I was ever on the zipper. You two's with or without you was playing on another <laughs> ride. <laughs> and I was singing it at the top of my lungs. It's when the Red River X was still at the Winnipeg Stadium yeah. complex. And the, we, we were talking about the McDonald's. I think when I was in Croatia, we had a chit-chat about the, the three-level McDonald's on St. James Street. And yep. and that's where the zipper was along St. James Street. And I just kept trying to focus on the McDonald's sign and just singing that song so that the ride would be over. Yeah, you two and zipper, it's not a love affair. <laughs> no, You're like- no. I was thinking maybe he was holding hands with some lady friend or something like that. It was well, a romantic I, zipper experience. But well, my, wait, my, wait, my female compatriot was, was, was much more, uh, shall we say, uh, brave about it than I was. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, that's the end of it. I've only been on the zipper, zipper romantic zipper experience. Jeez. Oh my gosh, I, that I, went dark in a hurry. A romantic <laughs> zipper experience. Put I've, that in the headline. I've only been on the zipper once, and uh, I bashed my head when I was on it because just the way that it rocked back and forth, and it just uh, it was. I was like in a, a very violent rocking chair, and it just kind of slammed me forward, and I bashed my head, and I thought, nah, I don't think this ride's for me. A so, real life st- steel cage match. Yeah, pretty really much. What it gets down to. But uh, yeah, I do. I I, li- I like the kamikaze. That's the. It's, it's kind of like the pendulum ship, but it goes all the way around. Okay. You're in a you're in a cage, but you're, not, you're at it's least not in, in an open. 
It's mold. one continuous movement. Yeah, eventually. It, it, well, it does, because it, it, in order to, to gain enough force for it to go all the way around, it has to go back and forth. Okay, and back for that reason, forth. I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. And then eventually it goes around. Agreed. So, uh, passes for that at 8.37. We also want to extend some, some greetings today. Yesterday was the, and I, I learned this, uh, I was given a reminder on Facebook from Food Fair. The Zeds are going to be uh, taking, they, they took, uh, I think they took yesterday off, or they're taking today off, because yesterday was the last day of Ramadan, as uh, Dr. Raymond Abdurrahman had t- told us about, and now right. today uh, is one of their most important days. Yeah, Eid al-Fitr, and I apologize if I haven't said that right, but the, that's the, it marks the end, like the breaking of the fast for Ramadan. And so it'll be a big festival that lots often you'll see things in parks, you know, across the city. They'll do, you know, a picnic and everybody will get together because it's a it's a important day to mark what they've just been through for the last month, which is the fasting throughout the day. So we just wanted to say uh, Eid Mubarak to all who are celebrating. And again, again, as well, if, I, if I've pronounced that incorrectly, apologies Trying to learn as we move along. Here. I think uh, anyone uh, that would be respectful of your attempts, uh, respective attempts to extend those greetings would be more than grateful versus uh, anything less than grateful. Uh, also today we have much to discuss regarding the report, the missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls report, and the Prime Minister coming under fire because, of, uh, because he first chose to omit a certain word and then later cited the word, the word being genocide. And I'm not sure how I feel about that, that that that's what the focus is on, the fact that the PM didn't say that. I don't know. I, I think you make a good point about the idea that you don't want to get lost in what was said or wasn't said and why the word is important, but I think the word is important and an acknowledgement of its use and maybe applying it to history is, is what we need to do to move forward because it's come up over and over again and even mired the Canadian Museum for Human Rights in controversy because it wasn't referred to as genocide. So there was protests about that because what our definition is in our head, what we might think of with genocide and what we think of what the treatment of Indigenous people over the past 150 years may not connect but what this report is saying, what many scholars have said for years, is that's what's happened. That's what we did as a country. Take responsibility for it. And, and sometimes you wonder if you don't do that, then how do you move forward from this report? Well, my concern is that this report will come down to one word, just as the TRC, when Justice St. Clair used or coined. A lot of people will suggest coin the terminology cultural genocide. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, got, we, we really got hung up on those two words with the TRC. Are we going to get hung up on this one word? And will that prevent us from getting to the real work of the report and learning what was gathered and the recommendations and implementing them. Are we going to get hung up on terminology and semantics here? So we'll break that down for you a little bit more at 637. And just want to quickly tee this up at 645. uh, We're going to have a much lighter conversation because yesterday Boston Pizza was here with their Mad Mac pizza. and We saved a couple of pieces for Loren, who was at Concordia Hospital. And I came into the newsroom as you were chowing down on this pizza and you revealed that you'd never had the pizza is modeled after a famous burger. The Big Mac. Right. And so I said, what's going on here? Is this a Thousand Island dressing? On this uh, pizza, and Cam Poitras was like, yeah, that's what's in a Big Mac. And I was like, what? Because I've never had one before. I had never had a Big Mac. I now have had a Big Mac-like pizza. The pizza, actually, I think was probably was, better than the burger. Pizza was good. And I liked but the I, burger. But I was thrown by the Thousand Island dressing, or 1,000 Island, or 8,000, whatever it's called. <laughs> Thousands of islands of dressings on this burger. <laughs> and then I was like, and then I went home last night and told my husband about this burger. And I was like, but it had this a thousand I- or island dressing on it. He's like, yes, that's what's in a Big Mac. Like, what's your deal? I was like, I've never had a Big Mac before. Is that a Canadian thing? Like, because a thousand islands, that's in Ontario. So do they have thousand island dressing in the United States? Oh, good question. If you know the answer to that, text us, 204-780-6868. But we'll get more into that at 645, because uh, I found that just utterly fascinating. They never had a Big Mac? No. He's a journalist. You know, you, you spend a lot of time on the road. What does that have to do with anything? You've you, you, you got to eat when you can. You know, you're out in the field a lot. You know. No. Nope. You nope. don't eat healthy. I eat McDonald's. Yeah. 
I just have never had a Big Mac. That's what I mean. It's you go really to McDonald's, big. but you never had the Big Mac. It's like 19 patties or something no, on it's it. Two patties. Four buns. Skinny little patties. We got to get out. And we got to get out. dressing. It's so weird. Loren, this morning marks one year since Winnipegger Eduardo Balaquit went missing. The 59-year-old was last seen leaving his Amber Trails home for his job on Kuwaitan, June 4th, 2018. Hours later, his van was found with that smashed window and it was not parked in its usual spot. The search for the husband and father was later expanded to Arburg, which is a 90-minute drive north of the city. And despite repeated public pleas over the last year, what happened to Eduardo, who turned 60 in April, now remains a mystery. We can only imagine what the past 365 days has been like for his family and his loved ones, but uh, you have lived it. And we're so thankful to have his son, Edward, in mm-hmm. studio with us this morning. And it's very gracious of you to give your time. Thank you. Yeah. Um, it, it's been a difficult year, needless to say, though, more so, I would say, for my mother than it is for my brother and I. Um, people usually ask if it gets any better, but it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, he's been missing and uh, he's been missing a lot of things that we wanted him to be with us and a part with, of us with. So it, it doesn't, uh, it actually doesn't get any better. How do you, how do you sort that all out? I just celebrated a milestone birthday myself and my mom passed away 17 years ago and I know how difficult it was to process all that. For me, I know where my mom is. I know what her fate was. I, I can only, I can't even let me rephrase that. Imagine what it's been like for you. Got married since your dad yeah, went missing. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, uh, yeah, w- my wife and I got married. My mom's birthday passed soon after. Uh, Christmas came, my brother's birthday, my birthday, and then his. Um, very difficult times. I mean, uh, it's all moments we want him to be a part of. Um, but. Throughout his time with us, he did everything for us. He made sure we were happy. Uh, he worked hard to make sure that we weren't uh, financially uh, like struggling. Um, he did everything for us. Uh, during these moments, I mean, it was difficult, but we made sure to, to still enjoy it because he, he would have wanted us to. Uh, he didn't uh, do all these things for us to make sure that we were unhappy. Um, he, he did those things to make sure that we were happy. It's a powerful message. Yeah. You were adamant and your family was in the hours after uh, he disappeared or went missing that this wasn't normal, that this wasn't your dad, that this wouldn't have happened, that he wouldn't have just, you know, wandered off somewhere. And police were very quick to say as well, something wrong, unusual has happened here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is probably, this is is a difficult question because I don't know what your answer would be because it maybe has gone a lot of places. But what do you think happened to your dad? You know what? Uh, It's hard to know. I mean... You uh, you hear rumors, you see articles. Um, there's a lot of things all over the internet saying what happened, what could have happened. Um, someone knows a friend that used to do something. Like, all speculations. Um, the fact of the matter is we, we, we try not to think of anything bad. Um, the end goal for all of us is to see him come home. Um, until someone says otherwise, that's a... That has proof saying that he may not. I mean, uh, we're going to still have that hope. Um, I mean, it's difficult uh, because you you see it everywhere to, of uh, possible negative outcomes. But it's uh, we stay hopeful because he's still not here. So there's still a possibility that he's still out there just waiting to come home. I understand you've been in contact with the police on a weekly basis. How would you describe your dealings with the police on this? Um, you know, it's, uh, they have information that, that they can't provide us and they let us know that, uh, throughout the investigation, um, there's going to be scenarios where, uh, due to circumstances, they can't give us information, but, um, every week since he's been missing, um, they, they've been reassuring that, you know what, it's still, we're still working hard on it. Um, don't think that we're not working on it. Um, we're in contact at least once or twice a week, um. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, they've been with us the whole way and trying their best to let us know that they're they're not forgetting about us. You're comfortable in the notion that this is still a priority for them? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Um, like I said, it's uh, they go back to us on a routinely basis. Um, 
for them to uh for them to do that makes me know that you know they're it's still a priority on on their agenda they released we mentioned uh earlier photos last summer of two people they thought might have some information yes did that ever go anywhere were they identified as far as you know you know not that i know of um Yet again, uh, people ask, does that frustrate you? Um, they're not getting back to you. Uh, does that frustrate you? you get they are getting back to me. But the amount of information I get from that is uh, is different. Um, there's reasons for it, and I could only hope that it's uh, it's reasons that, uh, that will benefit my family and my dad. Um, so I, I'm only trusting that they, they know what they're doing. They were hired for these, uh, for these scenarios. Um, and that uh, soon this will all come come to an end and we'll find him come home. What, what do you hope from the public and yeah. speaking with us today? What, what, what can the rest of us do on it on this anniversary? You know, I just keep an eye out. Um, if you know any information, it's never too late to provide it. Um, if the person who is a part of it is listening, I mean, it's, it's never too late to do the right thing. If, if anything, please provide any information to help bring my dad home or, the end of the day, we want my dad home. Um, that's all it is. Uh, yeah, just keep your eyes open, guys. You have a lot of hope. Yes, yes. A lot of hope. And I think anyone would if a, if a family member was missing. Yeah. Edward Balakwit joining us live on 680 CJOB, son of Eduardo Balakwit, who went missing one year ago today outside his Amber Trails home. Edward, thank you very much for taking the oh, time to you. visit us today. Thank you. We start this hour, question of the day at cjob.com. This is yesterday afternoon's question, so we'll have a new one up shortly, but we wanted to get you the results for this. Brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at 204-832-6243. The inquiry on missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls calls violence against Indigenous women a form of genocide. Do you agree with this classification? And 88% say no which means 12% say yes. You can still cast a vote at cjob.com, but it is indeed the headline on cjob.com, on globalnews.ca, even the New York Times. Yeah, making international headlines, and it usually goes something like this, quote, the killings of Indigenous women in this country is nothing short of a genocide. Specifically, in the New York Times article, they reference the fact that it's a genocide that Canada is responsible for. So that's a word that I think a lot of people in that poll, at the very least, show they're uncomfortable with. Uh, even Romeo Dallaire, who's the head of the UN peacekeeping mission in Rwanda that saw, I think, at least 800,000 people killed in that genocide, told Quebec media yesterday he's uncomfortable with the use of that term in this context. But Marianne Buller, who was the chief commissioner for the inquiry into missing and murdered Indigenous women, acknowledged the deaths of women are not like the Holocaust or the Rwandan massacres. The type of genocide we have in Canada is, as my colleague Commissioner Robinson said, death by a million paper cuts for generations. So the report that came out yesterday is one of several that have been released over the years. There was the Aboriginal Justice Inquiry in the 80s, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission in 2015, and each of those reports highlighted many of the same issues, and the TRC uh, used the term cultural genocide, right, Greg? Correct, and that was called into question by a lot of people, that there is no such thing. Well, Justice Sinclair was trying to find a word that would summarize what was at the heart of issues, uh, the divide between Indigenous Canadians and non-Indigenous Canadians? Negan Sinclair is an associate professor of Native Studies at the U of M and says he really hopes Canadians don't get lost in the use of this term genocide. I hope that people uh, go to a deeper understanding of what the term means. Genocide is not something that happens instantly. What we hear about when we think about genocide is often the, those egregious acts that happen within a couple years during World War II, for example, or the Rwandan genocide. But for Indigenous peoples, genocide very much fits the criteria of what we've experienced in the country, but it's been 150-plus years. When you have policies and practices designed specifically to exterminate a people, which uh, ha- comes in a multifaceted aspect, the residential schools, the 60 scoop, the current situation of child welfare, the fact that we have multiple... 90 to the tune of 90 percent indigenous young people in jails 
these all add up to a conclusion that genocide really is the only adequate term on the international stage and the legally defined term to describe our experiences. So you have to really think about what genocide truly means. Here are some hard facts. Indigenous women and girls are 12 times more likely to be victims of crime. Indigenous men, six times as likely to be hurt by a crime, but too often victims struggle to be heard. The RCMP was heavily criticized in the report for how it's handled some of those cases. Its commissioner was not at its release yesterday, with a spokesperson saying she was unable to attend the event. Winnipeg Police Chief Danny Smythe did go to Ottawa yesterday for the report's release. He says understanding the past is the key to stamping out systemic racism. One of the other things that the city, including the police service, has done is is really taught our members the, the true history of what's gone on with the Indigenous people in our community, right from first contact right through to, to, to present time. So... I mean, the Indigenous people and Indigenous women in particular have endured some pretty horrible things uh, over the last 150 years. And when you get a perspective on that, you, you, can, you can see why we're, why we're at where we are. He talked about what I th- and we, we I threw this out this morning, you know, like city employees have to go through um, an awareness training. Is that the best use for it to understand the history of Indigenous peoples in this country and um, the things that have and have not been done. And I know they do that, say, at Manitoba Hydro. They do that at different government institutions. I know there's so many people within my generation and older who definitely didn't get that history lesson in school. And I'm wondering, does, is that the key to making a bit, bit of a difference here? Not just your police forces and all the rest having a lesson, but do we all need a bigger lesson? Or is that even going to make a difference? Because you, you, you hear all the time people get those lessons and yet you still have rampant abuse and racism racism displayed. You have 1,200 pages to summarize years of conversations, thousands of conversations, points of view. And when you talk about interacting with people and connecting with them on a different level, it, it all starts at listening, at having conversations about where you come from, what you deal with, what is at the core of your being. And I've, I'm a firm believer that until you understand what... A person that you're trying to connect with has been through, uh, it's impossible to do so until you, you hear their story. Um, there, there's a, there's a, a key to connecting with people that, that I try to live, and it's difficult for someone who, who speaks on radio for a living, and that's to be interested versus being interesting. And I think we need to be a collectively more interested in these stories in order for us to move forward. Mackling, McGarry, McNabb, Tristan Field-Jones is here. Cameron Poitras is here. Jeff Forte is here. Yesterday, Manitoba Pizza Week, Boston Pizza visited us with Kevin Bergen from The Main Ingredient. They brought in three pizzas, the bourbon barbecue chicken, the Hawaiian pie-o, and the Mad Mac, which as they described is based upon a very famous burger. And then Loren McNabb, they were all delicious, by the way. I, I, I personally liked the Mad Mac the most. But uh, Loren McNabb later revealed, I've never tried a Big Mac. Mm-hmm. You were, because you didn't understand why there's Thousand Island dressing right. on this I pizza. I thought that was weird. I was like, I like this pizza. I don't know why there's a Thousand Island. And then <laughs> Cam, basically, like, yeah. if you could, I wish I could take a picture. It was worse than the resting Brett face. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was just like. Oh, come on. It wasn't it that was. bad. <laughs> it's an over-exaggeration. <laughs> come on. No, I was, I was like, really, really surprised. Because you're like, what's this? Thousand Island is like this lettuce on here? So, well, it's a deconstructed Big Mac on a, on a pizza. I've never had it. Big Mac before. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> no, and I don't know why. And I don't remember what point I got to in life. Like, I go to McDonald's. I always get a quarter pounder if yeah. I'm going, like, which is a huge burger. It's not like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what my problem is. And then it gets to the point in life where you're, you've just decided... Well, now, it's, now that's going to be my thing. Like, you can put it on my tombstone. <laughs> Never had a Big Mac. But I just didn't, I don't want one. And, then, and now it's like, it's not a claim to fame. It's a sad claim to fame, I suppose. But, yeah. Anyone else with things that they've, like, deliberately avoided? Uh, bubble tea for me. I don't, I don't like floaties in my drinks or, like, something inside liquid. I can't stand that. So, so it became trendy and you were just like, yeah, like I'm I just not doing it? completely rejected it 100%. That's weird. I've never had bubble tea either, but uh, I haven't been avoiding it. I just never had Actively it. Actively avoiding it. 
You're like, you're <laughs> like, you would go somewhere and some, you'd just be like, no, I'm not doing it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm. no, it just grosses me out. I've never, I don't, well, I, I shouldn't say I've never had coffee, but I don't drink coffee. And then mostly because I don't like warm beverages. So hot chocolate is out, tea is out. How, although I also don't like the taste of coffee, tea. And if I'm drinking chocolate, I'd rather have a glass of chocolate milk, something cold. But I'm at the thing. The thing with me about the Big Mac is that I got to a certain age where I'm like, well, you've already come this far. Like, as if I was like, as if I was accomplishing something super amazing. Like, oh, you're 30 without a Big Mac. Keep going. Now I'm 40 I'm, I'm, without a Big Mac. I'm going to get you a Big Mac for your birthday. I know your birthday's coming up. <laughs> no, so. you're not. Oh, I am. So so why is it, what makes the Quarter Pounders so much? Know. Right. The okay. Big Mac was just big. It seemed big. Right. Too many, but too their, much quarter, bun. their quarter pounder is, is a, a huge bigger burger. burger. Yeah, for sure. But okay. it doesn't have as much bun. And now that I know it doesn't have that weird sauce on it. Oh, the sauce is what makes the Big Mac yeah. special, though. Nobody goes and says, can I have a salad with a Thousand Island dressing on it? No one. I do. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, you don't. It's delicious. That's a default dressing, isn't it? Yeah, that's the, like, it's that's what like you have if there's, there's nothing, nothing else, else, I guess I'll have this. Or that Catalina dressing. Yeah, exactly. Was, that yeah. weird yeah, that one, one. Yeah, then it'd be like, too. fine. The one that you have, have to have this. You, you always have to check the expiry date before <laughs> exactly. you use that one. Didn't because Grandma it's been have in this in the fridge for a long time, time, typically? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, uh, the other day, the boys, one of the boys was convinced that Jackie was feeding him fish, not chicken. And Jackie says, when I started dating your dad, he made me promise to never, ever trick him with food. I have a strong rule about that. You're not allowed to trick me with food. Don't tell me it's chicken and then it's deer meat or something. Like, don't do it because I'll lose my mind. And uh, so that is one thing that's a big deal to me. But I love coffee cake. I love coffee crisp. I've never had a cup of coffee. Like never? Never. Never that had a cup really? of coffee. You must have had a sip By somewhere. accident, when they mess up my steep tea and give me coffee by mistake, and then I want to gag when I have a half a sip. I don't swallow it. I have a hole in my mouth. Roll down the window. <laughs> Spit it out. <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Tristan has a whole list of things he's yeah. avoiding. You know, it's it's funny. I was I was going through my mind in terms of that. The only thing I am actively um, avoiding, and it's not really avoiding, it's postponing, is getting my my wisdom teeth out. Oh, it's not even close <laughs> to the same thing what we're talking. Yeah, about. I know exactly. <laughs> so. No, I, 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 you two okay over there? I need a Big Mac. Craig refuses coffee. Tristan's like, I really don't want these teeth. Seems like it could hurt. Tristan's having his own conversation with himself. Much like what happens at his desk on a regular basis. No, that's not, that's not true. I talk to myself inside my head, not outside my head. Sometimes it slips out. Let's get into that for a second though. So the wisdom teeth need to come out? Yeah, they do. So, I mean, I'll, I'll get it done later this year, but it, but you know, I look, they said, eh, get, just get it done within five years. And so I figured, okay, well, that means I can, you know, wait a little bit. And then I was. How, so how long ago did they say that? Uh, about a yeah, less than a year ago. So I'm thinking, do I want to get them done during the summer? No. So I'll, I'll get them done probably like when the snow falls, so that there's less. What are you nice worried weather. about? I'm not worried about anything. I just oh. don't want when it's nice out. I just don't want to be you know stuck inside with wisdom teeth woes. I really hated getting my wisdom teeth out. I hope that helps in your journey. Well, it doesn't. It was terrible. Yeah, no, I know. Oh, I'm in the same boat as Tristan. I gotta get mine out. I oh, woke yeah. up during mine. I woke up. No. Yeah, I did. So they Fun. put me, they put me under, and then I woke up very briefly with four. I think it was four. I don't know. I was out of it, but four people in my mouth, and for all it it, it felt like there was a railroad spike in my mouth and a sledgehammer because all I could hear was. Because they had to break one of my teeth to get it out. I wasn't put under for mine, so I just heard that the whole time. And that was the hard part because then you're for hours afterwards when the pain starts, all you could hear is that bone crunching. Well, Mm -hmm. I know people who wake up from that surgery and they have bruises on their chest. Because people climb on you. Yeah. (laughs) Because the dentists have been on top of you. Oh my God. Look at at Tristan's eyes right now. (laughs) Pulling things out, baby. Tristan, go get your wisdom teeth out and then get a Big Mac. You After. know what? We can make a get whole day of it. Videotape it. We can come. I'll eat a Big Mac beside you while you get your wisdom teeth out. Greg mm-hmm. will have a coffee. Cameron will have bubble tea. Yeah, yeah. I'll have a bubble I'm tea. glad that this medical procedure is providing for great comedic entertainment. Forte here. will caramelize some onions. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> we'll have two all beef patty special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on the sesame seed Big Mac bun. And a text to two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight says, "Good morning, Mac sauce is mayo, relish, and ketchup, just like Thousand Island dressing. Is that what Thousand Island dressing really is? Mm, yep. Wow. Maybe a little bit of Russian dressing mixed in. There What's Russian there? dressing? 
thread. <laughs> <laughs>
profession, so so uh, please uh, take this uh, question the spirit's intended. Uh, a lot of people wondering about polls these days, uh, in particular uh, the idea of how you connect with people. And the, and the big one that seems to be uh, most spoken about is the idea that, well, I, I don't get polled on my cell phone. It's typically landline users that are that are connected to pollsters. Is that accurate or inaccurate? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's inaccurate. Um, most polling firms, uh, and, and we are one of them, if we're doing a telephone-based poll, which we typically do, um, we call cell phones. We call, ran- we call randomly. So every person in Manitoba with a phone has an equal opportunity um, to get a survey. Uh, and that's, that's how you get young people. Is you know, Young people, it's tough to get them to answer the phone in the first right. place, but you need to phone them on their cell phones. Um, and that's one way we can we can make sure that we're actually polling the right people. Um, and in Manitoba, the pollsters have been p- pretty accurate. There's been some big misses in other other provinces for sure. It's it's an issue in our industry for sure. But um, it's sort of in our in our backyard, we've been we've been fairly accurate. Mary Agnes Welch, a senior researcher at Probe Research, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Mary, thank you very much for this. My pleasure. Okay, can you believe there are five NFL teams that don't have cheerleaders at all? Really? The Buffalo Bills, Cleveland Browns, Chicago Bears, New York Giants, and Pittsburgh Steelers. Several teams have been shrouded in controversy about how they treat their cheerleaders. Some have alleged some very serious situations in terms of sexual misconduct and how they're they're used and how they're not paid properly, etc. Lots of different things over the years. Well... The Seattle Seahawks yesterday announced that the Seagals will no longer exist. Seagals, it's uh, wordplay, Loren. It's like a seagull, seagull, seagulls. No, I get it. I just what I don't get we is why you'd love it's the been. Name. Well, I'm I'm ca- caught up in the idea of like, what do you mean they haven't had male cheerleaders ever before? Well, there are only the Indianapolis Colts, L.A. Rams, New Orleans Saints, Philadelphia Eagles, and Tennessee Titans. Right, but everyone in the CFL has male on their cheerleader teams. Do yeah, they not? Well, or at least like acro- like gymnastic type. Yes, right. But the NFL has been slow to come around on this. So once again, and and the seagulls kind of been one of the marquee cheerleaders leading teams, mm-hmm. and so for them to take this step is just another indication of the evolution of sports entertainment in the United States, and the fact that, yeah, you know what, we're going to dial it down a little bit, and it looks as though even their outfits, the female uh, outfits are going to change a little bit to be uh, a little bit more uh, sensitive, a little bit more reflective of the times, shall we say. So not not so... Not so revealing. Or they're, they're, it's not just a gratuitous display... Of TNA, so to speak. I would say that's an outstanding uh, example of that. Okay. Well, hey, thanks for bringing that to our to our attention. Because ten years ago, uh, Brett McGarry would have been like, "Well, too bad. You don't like it. Too bad." But as you pointed out, times have changed, and you yes. got to change with them, or <laughs> get uh, get left behind. Got something on the schedule here. I just uh, maybe and I don't know if we're are we doing if we're doing this later, but I just I have to bring this up right now because I forgot this. Twenty five cups of coffee is good for your heart. Well, let's say it's not bad for you. Like you get all these studies, right, yeah. that tell you this is good for you, that's bad for you. They contradict one another, and it's to the point where you don't know, like whether you should be having anything other than water and fresh air, and then even that is in question. How fresh is the air? Where are you getting the water? Is it filtered water, non-filtered water, bottled water, non-bottled water? Where's the bottled water come from? Does it come from a stream? Does it come from a, an underground aquifer? Where do you get these things? You can drink up to twenty. <laughs> Sorry, that was solid. You can drink up to twenty-five cups a a, a day without harming Sorry, your how heart. Many? That's not true. (laughs) This is what it says. It's printed thusly. It must be true. Coffee lovers rejoice. You can drink up to 25 cups of Java without upping your chances of a heart attack or stroke, according to a new study. Researchers out of the UK studied more than 8,000 people and their coffee drinking habits and found that drinking, (laughs) who's drinking 25 cups a day? Uh, This is apparently no worse for the arteries than drinking less 
than a cup a day. The study says that despite previous beliefs that drinking coffee increases arterial stiffness, which can lead to a heart attack or stroke, having over 20 cups of Daily Joe was not associated with stiffer arteries. The research was partially funded by the British Heart Foundation and is being presented at the British Cardiovascularly, uh, pardon me, Cardiovascular Society Conference in Manchester, this according to The Guardian. I was waiting for you to say this study was partially funded by, like, uh, Starbucks? Yeah, Metal Starbucks House. or yeah. Yeah, Edwards. Fold, I was folders. too, which is why I kept reading it until we finally got to the part of who founded and founded and, and issued, commissioned, whatever word you want to use. So I'm throwing that away. Whatever. I guess. Just dr- if you want to drink coffee, drink coffee. But if you put two cream and two sugar or three cream and three sugar, that's not coffee anymore. You're eating a donut. Oh, I like donuts. Or drinking a donut, maybe. Donuts are good. Yeah. I, I would actually, if if we could get like a, a milkshake donut, that would be great. Stop. Stop sharing like our billion I don't like donuts ideas or Big Macs. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And another M, Manitoba is in Manitoba Pizza Week. It continues. We learned about this yesterday. Our friends from Boston Pizza visited us and brought three pizzas. And now we have three more pizzas in studio. So, McNabb, it's been a hard week. Oh, so tough. It's I came all the way back week. to the station yesterday from where, what would you call that? Is that just East Kildonan? Yeah, sure. Yeah. 30 minute drive for a slice of pizza <laughs> and it was worth it. So I, and then it smells amazing in the studio right now. Yeah. You're, I'm guessing 9am pizza is not on most people's list, but it's lunchtime for us. So that's okay. Yeah. I like it. So Diana Klein is here from Diana's Cucina and Lounge. And on the label of the pizza, I'm just going to read some of the accolades here. International pizza competition, uh, in 2009, Canada's Best Pizza, uh, International Pizza Challenge 2009, Las Vegas, Nevada, Canada's Best Pizza 2008, Canada's Best Pizza 2007, Canada's Best Pizza 2005 and 2006. The list goes on. Diana, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me this morning. And for bringing us your award-winning pizza. So you've crafted three three pizzas here, and we want to tell our listeners about the pizzas that you're providing for Manitoba Pizza Week. But like when when Kevin Bergen from The Main Ingredient said, hey, do you want Diana to stop by? I said, yes, yes, because she's a great <laughs> Winnipeg success story. So how long have you been doing this? Uh, a couple of decades. <laughs> A couple of decades. Sorry, people can't see that, but I'm like, look how young you are to say a couple of decades. So <laughs> were, you, were you in, what are those ovens they called when we were kids that you could cook in? Bake Easy Oven? Yes, yes. Back, we have to go yeah, back to Holly Hobby, Bake Easy Oven. Yes, cook a little pancake, size cake in about an hour by light bulb. Yeah, that was my favorite. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. So you, when you get all of these awards, does it, does it add a ton of pressure to what you do to have to maintain this kind of level of award-winning, like to be named Canada's best pizza. It's uh, it could. I I, I like to uh, just play with ingredients. I really love really really good ingredients. I love playing with different tastes and textures. So I could let it get a little away from me and say, well, I have to make it better than last time. But I really like to just come back to, all right, what's going to taste really good, and what do I want to um, play with on this pizza or on this style of crust today. Are you upset uh, with which uh, the the direction pizza is going and all these crazy ingredients that are being added being added to pizza? Or do you like that? I love it. I love it. I think that um, especially pizza, it's like the best food to play with. Uh, I've had the benefit of going to uh, different competitions around the world in Italy and having uh, friends from all over the world come to one competition and make their style of pizza for that region. And you'd be amazed at what different areas of the world put on pizza. And it's still pizza. And to me, as long as it's made with a really good quality ingredient it's it's delicious what's like, the like, craziest thing yes what's so unusual yeah well so you know there's there's a whole bunch i mean it, it depends on where's your measuring stick for crazy right <laughs> so uh, well, pineapple, I like pepperoni pineapple's and cheese, crazy so. no, pi- <laughs> pineapple <laughs> plays so nicely with pepperoni and you know oh. pep- 
Coca-Cola <laughs> ham. Don't be a hater. Come Gross. on, pizza's pizza's all about love. So uh, back <laughs> back in uh, when I was judging in Italy in uh, 2009, I was almost served this one pizza and it had baby squid on it. So there were like these little purple Teletubbies things just oh, splayed no. out on the pizza. <laughs> and he would, the the competition area judge was walking it to me. He must have seen the fear in my eyes because it was like I didn't want to eat that, you know. And in some regions, that's delicious. That's exactly what they want, but not, I'm, you know, prairie girl. This one was like, nope. nope. That was a line too far for you. It was a little bit, yes, here's the line in the sand. Please don't bring it to my table. I won't be nice. Is there one thing a pizza has to have in your mind? I mean, obviously the crust, but the crust can be made from all sorts of different things now too. Top quality ingredients. Okay. That's the one thing that every pizza has to have. Starting with, is starting with my everything. Flour? Like, starting with the flour, with olive oil and the crust. There's a lot of uh, cheap stuff out there. And uh, uh, to me, that's that's the bad crazy when it comes to pizza. Pizza originally was evolved from leftovers. So leftover dough, leftover cheese, a little bit of leftover tomatoes from the kitchen. And then, you know, you put it together and all the friends who come and meet you after work, that's what you eat. It was considered a peasant's food. And so it still can be that, but let's use like the best ingredients that are what's left over from the kitchen. Well, yeah, there's so many pizza places just in the city of Winnipeg. Uh, it seems like you drive, you can drive up the street and see 10 pizza places in a couple of blocks. So how do you stand out? Is it those ingredients that help you and your establishment stick out? It is. It is. I mean, we, we, we joke that we're like, quite expensive. A decade ago, we were one of the most expensive places, but thankfully with competition, there's been some others who have opened up and still source this high quality ingredients. Therefore, their prices have to be uh, up there too. So it's good for us because we're not so far out of reach now. We don't make jokes anymore about needing a second mortgage on your home to <laughs> order for you know your party. But uh, yeah, so for me, I mean, I just can't eat... Um, low quality stuff. Well, I could, but then I have to chase it down with a bottle of Pepto-Bismol. And <laughs> I don't want to live like that. You know, I love my food. And so I want to enjoy every bite. There's a lot of cardboard uh, with cheese on it. Yes. That, that's, that's disguising <laughs> that's itself it. as, as pizza out that's there. That's exactly no, it. Yes. No question. But I found it interesting. I didn't know that pizza had started out as a peasant's food. And, and um, I have friends from uh, Newfoundland who talk about how all the poor kids used to eat lobster for lunch every day in their <laughs> Sandwiches. I'm thinking, boy, I am really in the in the backwards universe here. And uh, but but pizza was the same. Pizza was the same. Yes. That that yeah. that, that blows me away because uh, to me it is the world's most perfect food. I just Isn't had yes. I just had pizza in Palmanova, Italy, about three weeks ago. Nice. And thin crust, wood fired pizza, and it was Lightly I don't topped. know if it was because I was in in Italy or not, <laughs> it but it was plain and simply the best pizza I'd ever yes. had. It was so good. Yeah, very nice. Did you pair it with uh, some vino? And no, I was a, I'm more of a beer guy. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. That still right. goes well yeah. together. Yeah, yeah. 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 I it mean, does. I, I love my wine, but I like beer with pizza. Manitoba Pizza Week continues with Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Oh. We have Diana in studio. Diana Klein from Diana's Cucina and Lounge, which is located still at 730 St. Anne's. Still there. Perfect. So you brought us three pizzas. We've each tried uh, the uh, what did you the Munster Boy. So what's Munster Boy? Munster Boy is uh, chicken fingers, strip bacon, caramelized mm-hmm. onions, Munster cheese, mozzarella cheese, and then crispy fried onions on top, and it's on a moosehead beer crust. Oh. Yeah, that Munster cheese, uh, I've just actually discovered it at Bothwell, so it's uh, it's kind of weird that that's the cheese, uh, and I love it. It's kind of messy. It's stainy, but it's, it's tasty. It's the orangeness, yes, but it's worth it. It's, it's nice and creamy and just delicious. Now, the moosehead beer crust, do you use that on all your pizzas, or you have different crusts for different pizzas? Different crusts for different pizzas. Because this works so well, because I am tasting... Like the the afterbite, after yeah, yeah, yeah of nice. the beer with yeah. the chicken. The flavor, is there an active? In, we I know there's yeast and typically in crust. Is that the active ingredient in the beer that you like? Because I've seen other recipes that include beer in the in the crust. So uh, the the way the beer got into the dough it was, uh, it was back in 2005. Canadian Pizza Magazine was searching for uh, Canada's best pizza chef, and so the inspiration was Iron Chef Wars. So you you had 40 common ingredients. You were allowed to choose five secret ingredients to make three recipes from scratch. 
So uh, I brainstormed, like, which one, what should I put in it? And it hit me one night because, you know, each region has different Chicago deep dish style mm-hmm. pizza, New York style pizza. So, like, what makes Canadian pizza Canadian? And then one night I had uh, inspiration that I was going to put beer in the dough and see what happens because mm. Canadians have been enjoying beer and pizza for decades. You know, So why not? And so uh, Moosehead was the then um, premium brand that was in the fridge, my then husband's favorite. And uh, I said, you know, I'm going to need to use some of your beer to play around. And he said, don't, don't, don't touch my dear, my beer. And uh, so I did. And that was the end of the marriage. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. No. So, uh, uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, used less than a six pack and played around with it and ended up being this winning crust. And so a few years later, I took a certification for Italian pizza school and I learned that Italians have been using beer in pizza dough and wine for decades. Because so this was a guest on your part. It was inspiration. I didn't invent it. I never said I invented it. I just yeah. was inspired to, to use it, to do it. But they've been using it because in some areas the water's not potable. So mm. then they need a something that's gone through filtration. And so the yeast eats the uh, beer, whatever beer you want to use, doesn't have to be uh, Moosehead. And then the byproduct is the flavors. We Each ha- beer will do a different flavor. I haven't flavor. stopped eating the entire, that entire description. <laughs> we, the, what's the Michelangelo? The Michelangelo is uh, dry cured pepperoni, uh, goat cheese, caramelized onions, and pesto sauce. And it's on our original white crust. Do you have to make that on your back? That's... It's no Michelangelo. All the flour just gets in your eyes and your face. It's not a good time. And then you have a vegetarian offering here as well, which looks sensational. It's awesome. It's on a flatbread. Yes. So uh, this one I gave the Italian name. So it's a cipolle caramelate spinaci e pomodorini, and it's a flatbread. Do people actually order it just like that? So far, people are like, do they just point to the the menu? The chip one. I'm like, yeah, vegetarian (laughs) one. Okay, we gotcha. (laughs) Drag it through the garden. Information at manitobapizzaweek.com. Diana's Cucina and Lounge once again on St. Anne's Road. And uh, don't wait for... If you can't get there during Manitoba Pizza Week, just try it out. I I stopped in your lounge once and I had, I think it was like a taco salad kind of pizza. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. And it was delicious. We have, thank you. We have over 50 different specialties and combinations and I'm always creating more because this is my my plate. This is my palate. Reservations are a good idea. Reservations are a good idea. We're actually doing a tasting night tomorrow night. So tickets are online on our website and so you get to taste all four of my entries we also have a gluten-free one that i didn't bring this morning uh and uh, pair it with a pint of your choice or a six ounce glass of wine for 16 bucks oh diana klein diana diana's cucina and lounge joining us live on 680 cjob for manitoba pizza week thank you very much for stopping by and thanks for bringing us pizza my pleasure thank you Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.